Welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonholm and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. My, my message title is When Calamity Comes. We're going to share around that this morning. But before we do that, let's open in prayer if that's okay. Father God, we thank You that Your Word is living and active. Lord God, it is powerful to demolish strongholds. It's our promise, our blueprint, our battle plan and our rescue. So Father, I pray this morning that fresh revelation would unfold in the hearts of Your people. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So let me start by asking, who are the people in the room that like to have all their ducks in a row? Any people that like their ducks in a row? You are the kind of person who loves to have all the dishes done before you come down in the morning. You like to get into a made bed at the end of the day. Have any friends? You're quite possibly a pay now, play later type. So you like to get the job done before you relax. You probably plan and have systems in place. You like to be a good steward with what God has given you. You you are considered in how you um, deal with those things. You are probably, um, unlike our more creative counterparts who are okay with way more chaos and probably have way more fun, you are probably a um, checks and measures kind of person. You may even have a Pinterest page saved to pantry or garage organisation. Do I have any friends in the house? Or is it just me? (laughs) So may I pose this question? What happens then if your pre-planned, ordered, scheduled world gets turned upside down? What happens if you find that your ducks are suddenly... No, not even not in a row anymore. You don't even have any ducks. Your ducks have flown the coop. Your ducks have flown south for the winter. What happens when your world is turned upside down? You know, sometimes when we're faced with a real threat of disaster, it can bring with it such ruminating dread and fear that it leads to anxiety, to sleepless nights, to loss of appetite, and sometimes even panic attacks. It may come in the form of an email. It may be a diagnosis or news about your child or your family, your job, your future or your health. It's that news that pulls the rug right out from underneath you when calamity comes. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn to 2 Chronicles 20 and we're going to be reading about Jehoshaphat, the story of Jehoshaphat. And he was a He was a godly king, not a perfect king, but the Bible tells us that he had led his people in righteousness. And so therefore peace had ensued. They had their ducks in a row. They had order. They had prosperity. Things were good and blessings had come upon the people. Peace and order. Until people started to take notice of this peace and order and all their ducks in a row, namely the Moabites, the Meonites, the Ammonites, and there may or may not have been some Vegemites involved. That's still unconfirmed. (laughs) And, you know, they'd been seeing the posts on social media. 
they'd been scrolling and they're like, hey, check out Jehoshaphat's life right now. Check out his ducks all in a row. They've got peace. They've got order. I want to have some of what they're having. And so they hatch a plan. They hatch a plan to amalgamate these three huge armies and to take the peace and the prosperity and the order that Jehoshaphat had experienced with his people. They wanted to plunder that from his people. So they hatch a plan. The first that Jehoshaphat hears of this is when messengers come running to him and saying, there is a vast army approaching from just beyond the, the Dead Sea and they are already at Bulai. They're 40 kilometres away. They're close. They're closing in and they're approaching and they're coming after you. They're coming after us. You know, if we pick up in verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah and Jerusalem came to seek the Lord for help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord and he prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honour your name. And they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war or plague or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honoured. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and you will rescue us. Have you ever faced a calamity? It's not really a word we use so much these days, is it? But the definition is a disaster or an event causing great or often sudden damage and distress. And I think every one of us can relate to that, right? That news that makes your stomach drop, you feel the adrenaline rush through your body, you feel the heat that it brings, that terrifying moment. And, you know, there's such injustice in this too because these were the very people that God told Jehoshaphat's descendants not to invade when Israel left Egypt. So they had left them alone in obedience. And we pick up in verse 11, it says, See now how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave to us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. We are looking to you for help. The NIV says, our eyes are upon you. So here they are, this whole community there's men, there's women, there's children, there's babies. They're all gathered together to wait on the Lord. Their adrenaline is pumping. The tension is high. Their hearts are racing. Can you imagine what this would feel like? Lord, what are we going to do? These people are coming at us, a vast army. Verse 14, we'll jump down. The Spirit of the Lord 
came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, a Levite. And he said, this is the word of the Lord to Jehaziel, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. Verse 17, but you will not need to fight. Take your positions and then stand and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. If you missed it the first time, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them, for the Lord is with you. You know what's interesting to note here is that God did not actually speak to Jehoshaphat directly. He didn't download the message to Jehoshaphat. He spoke through somebody else. And, you know, sometimes when we feel like, has anyone ever felt like God has left the building (laughs) or he's asleep at the wheel? And we're going, God, I'm in the middle of my calamity. Where are you in this? And maybe he's not speaking in a familiar way, but just because he doesn't speak to us the way we're maybe used to or in a familiar way, it doesn't mean that he's not at work. Someone needed to hear that this morning. So the king appointed singers. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. After God downloaded the battle plan, King Jehoshaphat and all the people bowed low in worship and they stood to praise the Lord with a very loud shout. I don't imagine that there would have been much sleep in the camp that night. Can you imagine the conversations around the campfires? The guys going, are you sure he heard correctly? We're just going to, are we actually going to down weapons and walk down to the battlefront and just stand there? You know, I think it would have been pretty much a sleepless night, don't you think? So the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising them for the holy splendour. It says, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stops them and he gives them a little pep talk. And he says, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. So off go the singers before the army. And it says in verse 22, At the very moment they began to sing and praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And after they had destroyed the armies of Mount Seir, they began attacking each other. Can you imagine the chaos in the valley that morning? What on earth is going on? So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as the eye could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather all the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days to collect it. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing 
which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. And it's still called the Valley of Blessing to this very day. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem with the music of harps, lyres and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for God had given them rest on every side. How incredible. You know, I want to share with you um, our family, my husband and I, we have probably just walked through and still walking through two or three of the most difficult years we have ever experienced. And, you know, our calamity came um, unexpectedly, left field and took us out at the knees. Just to give you some background, a number of years ago, we turned soil on what was the culmination of a a 35-year plan and dream for our family, one that had taken buying and selling and moving and renting to eventually um, be able to build our our dream home. And we prayed around that land because who knows, sometimes you can run ahead of God, right? Has anybody ever had a good idea and they only, you only learn in hindsight that it wasn't ever really a God idea? So we'd had a couple of those. So we were like, okay, God, we are not even touching this unless we get a green light from heaven, unless it's from you. So we prayed around that land we, we felt God gave us a figure, so we went along to that auction with this number in our mind. We're like, we're not going a cent over this number. If this is from God, we'll know. So we went into that auction and um, lo and behold, the hammer came down after our final bid on the final block of that release of that estate that day and that land was ours. And we were kind of astonished, to be honest. And, you know, we had huge dreams for that house. We um, planned to host young adult after parties and youth after parties and countless couples coming in for prepare and marriage advice. That's what our heart is. Um, Kingdom builders, all kinds of things. That's what we wanted to use the house for. We even planted promises from God, physical, scriptural promises in the slab when it was poured. We snuck there in the night and shoved these promises into the slab because you know what, this is God's house and we wanted to consecrate it to him. It took 18 months for council to approve our DA and then guess what? Any guesses? COVID. (laughs) And not only COVID but also El Nino and on top of these long delays, we got a lovely surprise, heart-stopping six-figure land tax bill in the letterbox because apparently you have to have moved into your property within four years of purchasing the land. But nobody tells you this. (laughs) Thank you, New South Wales State Revenue. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, congratulations. (laughs) Hardly fair considering that 30% of that four years was taken up in council waiting on DA. So we were like, something has to be done about this. This is unjust and it's not fair. And so we appealed and we even went and spoke to the mayor and we're like, how does this work? And what we learned was that this is not just a ruling, this is actually a law. 
And to change a law, you have to change it in Parliament. So, sorry, it's, you know, it's just kind of bad luck. We were also in that time given 30 days to be um, out of our rental that our landlord had promised that we could stay in until the completion of our home. It was also followed by a pretty devastating financial betrayal that left us in a really different position than what we had anticipated. Um, In that season, we also had a, a... beautiful distraction of marrying off our two eldest sons, which was such a blessing. There was a lot going on in this season. And I have to say, it felt like warfare all the way, blow after blow, blind corner after blind corner, feeling like our plans had been bulldozed, like we were out on a very flimsy limb, whipping around in a storm, fully dependent on Jesus. Have you ever been there? When calamity comes, right? When calamity does come, we need to do some things. We need to do some things in the natural. We need to pivot. We need to, you know, make some changes. Um, If it's a a health calamity, then we obviously need to see doctors. You know, we need to do things in the natural. But we also need to do things in the spiritual And that means we need to, you know, we go back to Ephesians 6, put on the full armour of God and having done all else that we can do in the natural, we can stand in the face of our storm, right? We can stand because who knows that the enemy is a liar and he's not only a liar, he's an opportunist. So when you're in a position that makes you feel vulnerable, and fearful, he comes in with accusation and lies. You're never going to get out of this. You're never going to see your breakthrough. You're never going to have that child. You're never going to meet your husband. You're never going to be financially secure again, whatever the lies are. You know, in Daniel 7, Daniel speaks about the enemy and he says, he will speak words against the Most High God and he will wear down the saints. That's the plan of the enemy, to kill to kill and destroy, right? To wear us down, leaving us vulnerable, causing us to buy into his lies that God is not with you. He's not going to come through with for you. How are you ever going to come back from this? You know, Daniel calls this enemy the one who causes desolation. But I'm here to declare God's faithfulness. He is the cloud by day and the fire by night. You know, in Isaiah 41, it says, I will make rivers on barren heights and springs within the valleys. Don't be alarmed if I cry. I'm a crier. (laughs) I will turn the desert into pools of water and parched ground into springs. I will put the desert... Sorry, I'll put in the desert the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. You know, He is our provider. He is the one that keeps our lamps burning He sustains us with manna from heaven one day at a time. You know, Psalm 16 says, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. 
What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Every night my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for you are right here beside me. You know, sometimes a calamity, and, you know, I'm very aware that it's not even about the house. It's not even about the finance. It's about the absolute onslaught of warfare that comes with that. And it might look different for some of you. It might be a really frightening um, you know, health diagnosis. It could look completely different, but it's the principle is the same. The principle is the same. I will not be shaken for he is right here beside me. I want to share with you this morning five keys to surviving your calamity or your crisis. And point number one is prayer. Prayer, verse six. You know, Jehoshaphat didn't take a survey. He didn't conduct a poll. He didn't phone a friend. He didn't even lean on popular opinion or Google how to face off against three (laughs) approaching armies. He resolved to inquire of the Lord in verse three with the entire community. He didn't start with the problem either. He started with magnifying God. The first thing out of his mouth, you are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. You know, sometimes that's easier said than done, right? When fear is screaming in your face, sometimes it's more difficult to stand on faith when fear is um, taking your attention. As a follower of Christ, we have the ability to live in two different realms. Like I said before, the physical and the, and the spiritual. We are like an amphibian and we should be comfortable in both realms. Because, you know, in the physical, you need to face reality, don't you? You need to look at the bills. You need to make the doctor's appointments. You need to do the scary things. But in the spiritual, we're actually able to come up above our situation and sit in the presence of Jesus. And you know that hymn that says that the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's amazing how that very thing happens when when we find ourselves in the presence of God, when we're able to stare into the face of Jesus, that all of our calamity can seem to fade away when we're able to commune with him like that in the light of his glory and grace. Point number two is community. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10 says, two are better than one because they have good return for their labour. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls down and has no one to help them up. You know, if you haven't found your people, you need to find your people. You need to find the people, the voices who speak life and truth when you're going through a valley experience that recognise God's destiny and power for your life and they pull it out of you. Those are the people you do life with, the encouragers, not to elevate your ego, but to turn your eyes to Jesus. 
You know, Kristen Kill in her book, Finding Sila, quoted this beautiful line and she said, sometimes we need someone to hold the melody when our lives are out of tune. When the crushing pressure of your natural circumstances has you literally in the fetal position, they are the ones who remind you of his supernatural power and authority. How grateful I am for my people these last few years. The ones who pull over on the side of the road when they're on holiday and hear a word from God in worship and call you and go, I just, I just had a word for you in worship and I just needed to share that God said he has not forgotten you. Those people, the ones who set their alarm to pray for you when they know you're going through a tough time and then share their God revelations with you the ones who open their home to you and go, you've got nowhere to go, stay at our house, have our shower, use our amenities. The ones who drop everything to be by your side when you feel like you're losing the battle between fear and faith. Those are the people that you need to find. Our treasured church family who rally and pray. You know, some, some people have come up to us and go, I don't know what's going on for you guys, but I just want you to know we're praying for you daily. (laughs) You know, that's priceless to hear when you're going through a tough time. You've got to find your community, right? Point number three, gratitude. Gratitude. Verse 7 said, Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land over to your descendants of your friend Abraham? You know, Jehoshaphat is reminding God of the memorial stones. And sometimes we have to go back and go, God, look what you have done. Look what you've done. You have never forsaken us. You've never let us fall off the edge. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Have you ever thought about why Paul said in Philippians 4, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, and then this side note, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you know why he mentioned that? How many times do we read over a verse like that and go with supplication and prayer, supplication and thanksgiving? You know, but when the revelation hits us, it's because the human brain cannot actually entertain anxiety and gratitude at the same time. Did you know that? Isn't that phenomenal that Paul already knew that we have to make a choice? When fear is screaming in your face, we have to make a choice. We have to choose gratitude. And it's gratitude that waters down the anxiety, reminding God of our memorial stones. Choose gratitude. Point number four is believe. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm, was verse 20. You know, sometimes if you don't know what to do, if you're just in that place where the terrain looks so different and this is so unfamiliar and you feel like you're not hearing from God, when you don't know what to do, you've got to do what you know to do. 
And what I mean by that is if you're not hearing the way maybe you're familiar with hearing God's voice, we have his word. We go back to his word. Do what you know to do. His word is a lamp unto our feet, which speaks about daily steps, and it's a light unto our path, which speaks about the way forward. We have to go back to his word. You know, the Bible says of Sarah, for the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. And also of Abraham, he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. So we have to believe. We have to believe his word. We have to stand on his word. We have to confess his word over our life and over our situation. Go to his word. Psalm 116, 10 to 11 says, Even when it seems I am surrounded by many liars and my own fears, and though I'm hurting in my suffering and trauma, I still stay faithful to God and speak words of faith. You know, crisis is what tests our convictions, right? Crisis actually only confirms what we truly believe. Crisis is the very scaffolding that our faith is built upon. It's a, our faith is built in crisis. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Point number five. Praise and worship. Verse 22 said, At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies to start fighting amongst themselves. They praised before, they praised during, and they praised after the battle. You know, the enemy hates worship. And, you know, sometimes that's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes we've got to drag ourselves out of the fetal position to praise. It's a sacrifice because we're not necessarily feeling it. But you know what? You don't necessarily need to feel it. We still have to praise because, you know, when we go out with worship, loud worship, right down to the enemy's camp, praising the Lord, even in the enemy's face, it reveals our faith it releases his power, it confuses the plans of the enemy and it opens prison doors. We have to praise and worship. Have you ever thought about how tension is required for worship? Tension on our vocal cords to produce a melody. You see our beautiful creative team up here. There's tension on their vocal cords. There's tension on the guitar strings to produce the beautiful notes that we sing to. You know, when you're under tension, you're able to discover God's intention for your life. Without tension, there's no melody. It takes tension. You know, Romans 8.28 says, And we know in all things, even in your crisis, even in your calamity, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. You know, if you are dealing with a crisis, if the terrain has changed, if things are not as you had hoped or planned, maybe you've been winded by something unforeseen, something left field. 
The good news is that even though it may have taken you by surprise, nothing is a surprise to our God. He's already gone before you. Isaiah 54.10 says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. God promises peace even in the midst of your valley, even in the midst of your crisis. We have a promise of peace. And you know, there's one beautiful promise that has carried me through this. (laughs) I might not be able to read it to you. Through this last couple of years, it's from Isaiah 46.4 and it says, even, even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have a tissue, it's all good. <laughs> I came prepared. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. What a beautiful promise, right? Maybe it can be your promise as well. Maybe you can stand on that one. You know, I just have to share with you, with that land tax, we felt like it was, you know, we were already in the midst of COVID and delays and holding costs and hold-ups and we were stretched to capacity already and then we received that land tax bill and it did feel really unjust. We're like, oh my gosh, what can be done about this? And um, once we learned that there was nothing we could really do, um, <clears throat> I did actually, had to, I had to call up the land tax office and we were praying going, God, recompense, you know, Debt reversal in Jesus' name. And I called up the land tax office and I prayed for a divine appointment. I need to get the right person to speak to. Has anyone been in that situation? Give me the right person, God. And so I got this person and he was phenomenal. And I'm in tears, ugly crying on the phone. This could take us under. I don't know how we're going to do this. This is not possible. We had a year to pay that off, by the way, $140,000. And um, you have 12 months. Break that down. That's kind (laughs) of... Gonna take you under. So I'm speaking to this little contact on on the phone, and he's like, "What about if um, I could extend the one year to another two years beyond that one year?" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that would be it's still a stretch, but it's a bit more doable." And you know, he um, he he basically said to me, "I don't want you to talk to anybody else. You only talk to me." And he even moved departments and he's like, don't be talking to anybody else to reset your payment plan. Just only talk to me because I'm going to manage your case. This was God going before us. Unbelievable. Anyway, we're in the midst of all of that and one of our neighbours approaches Lloyd and he says, if I could ask you if, you, could, if you could have anything you wanted what would that be? If I had news for you, you could hear anything you want today, what would that be? It's kind of a random question, right? Lord's thinking, I don't know. But they had had a conversation about land tax and he said, well, I've heard there's a rumour that legislation is changing and they're changing it from four years to six years and you guys should qualify. So I get on the phone to my little contact. He says to me, hello, stranger. (laughs) Amazing the relationship you build over ugly crying on the phone, right? What's doing? And I'm like, guess what? Legislation's changing. And he's like, what? How do I know this? 
And I said, well, our neighbour just came to us and he spoke to blah, blah at State Revenue. And he goes, hang on, we've got two people by that name. There's a nice one, not so nice one. Which one was that? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, hang on a second. He puts me on hold, goes and does a bit of inquiring. And I'm there going, God, recompense, recompense in Jesus' name. He comes back and he goes, you're right. It is changing, but it hasn't been approved yet. It might take some time. He says, Leave it with me, I'll get back to you. So I'm like, oh my gosh, God, could this actually be happening? Anyway, rings me back two days later. He goes, it's been approved. I'm like, you're joking. This is what I want you to do. No promises. He says, no promises. But I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you who to email, put all your information together. So I do all of that, submit it all, and then we're just sitting on it waiting And, you know, Pastor Brad asked me to share this word in Dunsborough at the end of last year. And I was praying before I went to Dunsborough. I'm like, God, can you just let us hear so I can take a testimony of your goodness to the people of Dunsborough? So I'm leaving on the Friday morning. Monday, I've been praying all week. Monday, nothing. Tuesday, nothing. Wednesday, nothing. I'm like, come on, God. (laughs) Thursday, 3.45pm, sitting on my bed finishing my word and praying for the people of Dunsborough, phone rings, pick it up, it's blah, blah from State Revenue. (gasps) My heart's in my mouth. He goes, I've just received your email. He said, I'm going to help you prepare prepare a submission. I'm like, oh my gosh. He said, I'm going to help you put it all together. Again, no promises, but I'm going to help you put it together. So... Went off to Dunsborough and shared the testimony. We were still waiting at that point. Unbelievable. Fast forward a few weeks after we get home, I get another call from State Revenue. He said, I'd like to just inform you that um, your refund has been approved 100%. (sighs) You know what? We're still not out of the woods. We've still got a way to go. But you know what I know? God is faithful. And that even though you might be told that you have to change a law in Parliament to get your breakthrough, that God has already gone before you. Whatever your crisis looks like, whatever your dead end looks like, if you're right up against the Red Sea and your enemy's approaching and you're like, God, we need a breakthrough, He is faithful. And you know, we don't, still don't know what the future holds, but we're, we do know who holds the future, right? I do know that he will have the final say. And even if you're told negative news, God will go before you. Some of you have experienced what it's like to wake up and be so full of dread that you, you struggle to even face the day. You know, in Luke 1, God's Word says, through the heartfelt mercies of our God, God's sunrise will break in upon us, showing us the way, shining on those in darkness, those sitting in the shadow of death, then showing us the way one foot at a time down the path of peace. Maybe your peace and security this morning is more dependent upon your circumstances, your bank balance, your health, the state of your marriage, than it is about upon your Creator. And God would say, will you trust me? Will you trust me? 
because your circumstances can change in a heartbeat. And if your peace and security are based on your circumstances, you're whipped around in a storm. But you know, I believe you're not here by accident this morning. And before I close, I would love to give you an opportunity to open your heart to the Creator who wants to carry and rescue and sustain you. The one who longs to give you peace and rest. The one whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light. So we're going to pray a prayer this morning together. And if you don't know Him, maybe you're saying, Fee, I don't know Him that way. I don't know Him as my rescue. I don't know Him as my sustainer. Then you have an opportunity this morning to put your hand in His hand, to open your heart, your life, your circumstance to Him, to come in, to bring His resolution for your life. So why don't you bow your heads this morning. We'll pray together. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, Thank You for loving me. Thank You for going before me. This morning I open my heart to You. Come into my heart, into my circumstance, into my future. Thank You for dying on the cross for me. Lord, would You walk with me, guide me, lead me. I give my heart to You. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. Now, if you're in the house this morning, just keep our heads bowed right now. And you might say, you know, that's the first time I've prayed that prayer. That's the first time that I've actually invited Jesus into my heart to surrender. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand this morning so I can see you and pray for you. And there's just a few people in the room that are going to help me. We want to put a gift in your hand. Can I ask you to raise your hand this morning? Who are those people that said, yes, I can't do my crisis alone. I can't do this on my own anymore. I don't wanna sit in that fear and dread. I wanna have peace and rest and security. Are there any people in the house this morning? Would you raise your hand? Thank you, Jesus. Or maybe for you, you just need to surrender. Could it be that God is reordering your priorities, is reminding you of your, His faithfulness, He's rewiring your thinking, He's reframing your perspective and reaffirming your identity? Because I know that's what He's done for me. He says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. So let me pray for you this morning. I declare, Lord God, that your tide is turning that Your Spirit is moving, Lord God, that You bring clarity, that weariness is lifting, that confusion is leaving, that provision is arriving, Lord God. We thank You, Jesus, in Your mighty Name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.